Amen. He is such a faithful friend. Yesterday, uh, we took Lydia to Bluefield College to drop her off and handled it better than I thought I would handle it. Um, just love her so much. But uh, it's, it's always hard. You know, let them grow up. And I have to grow up a little more too, I guess. Always hurts to grow up, doesn't it? I know I was in Walmart, had to take a couple of trips to Walmart, get a couple of things. Told the late to check out, I said, uh, money bag is about to leave, had to take one final trip through here, she won't have that resource once I get out of here. And uh, this girl said, yeah, uh, I came here last year, she said, my mom, she cried when left, she was all upset, said, my dad, he wouldn't even make the trip. She said, be strong. So I told Lydia that, and she laughed, be strong. So, matter of fact, Agape, who's coming tonight, I encourage you to come if you can. Always a blessing to see them. And she's seen them for years. We actually left New York when Lydia was born. And she has some precious memories of these people. And their theme song is For Those Tears I Died. If you've heard that song, heard that so many years. And, uh, man, it, you know, he knows you, and he loves you anyway. And He loves me, and He loves me anyway. And He died for us. Can't get any better. This morning, um, we're going to look at a subject uh, called a holy living. And to be honest with you, I thought about this, and I prayed about this. And, you know, I, I worry sometimes in church that we think we're supposed to hear something. And so... It's kind of like, well, we've got to get through it because it's here. But we don't really take the time to say, God, why are you speaking to me? And we live in such a sex-soaked culture that this idea of purity that we're going to talk about in First Thessalonians chapter 4, I worry that we're becoming numb to it, desensitized. And God calls us to be set apart and it's a struggle. And I don't want to be a hypocrite either because I struggle too. I don't want to be real. So anyway, open with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to read the first ten verses. And we're going to look at this message. A call to holy living. I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor when you find that. Uh, just a way to show Him that we respect Him. As I read. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you're living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we've already told you and warned you, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore he rejects this instruction 
does not reject man but God, who gives you His Holy Spirit. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Let's pray. Father, here we are, your kids. And kids sometimes don't listen to their dad. Sometimes kids go to dangerous places and worry their dad. And uh, Father, this is a dangerous place. It's a place where uh, the media around us wants to take the danger out of it and just uh, glorify the fun. Father, uh, speak to our hearts this morning. Uh, I pray, Father, that there might be a flow to this message that I would not just stumble I pray, Father, that faith might be evident, God, that Your Spirit might be at work speaking to us, that there might be a fire, God, that I would be able to to speak with a clear fire. And, uh, Father, that You might be honored. And, Lord, we just, we need to hear from You. And so, may You have Your way this morning. We love You and we need You, God. In Your name we pray. Amen. Holy living. Then we look around us and, and we look on TV. Sometimes it's the subtle things in the movies and on TV and the messages that we receive. Sometimes it's the subtle messages that scare me the most. Um, someone uh, looked over TV for a year and discovered that uh, over that year there was uh, almost 9,500 instances of sexual involvement that they saw on TV shows that were outside of the marriage covenant. It's just so common. Just all these messages that are sin, and and it's almost come to a point to where it's kind of strange to see through our media a couple who are married and committed to one another and committed to one another alone. Matter of fact, it even jumps up uh, in soap operas. 94% of encounters in there are um, not part of the marriage covenant. I'll read to you a quote from Vance Havner, a preacher of old, who, man, what a convicting statement Havner makes to God's people about about us. Listen to this statement. This is from a few years ago, but I think it's still uh, relevant. Havner has said, only a mighty moving of the Spirit of God can clear the scandal and strife in the church day. In response to the question of whether we're seeing revival in our churches today, Havner observed that if we were, there would be spiritual awakening. The divorce rate would drop. Pornography, public nudity, and sexual immorality would not be tolerated. Lawlessness and crime would decline. And worldliness would be kicked out of the churches. Listen to this, this quote here. The great problem of our time, Havner observes, is that the world and the professing church first flirted with each other, then fell in love, and now the wedding is upon us. The wedding is upon us. God forgive us. God awaken us. 
God, help us see who we really are, what we're really like, where we really are. And God, are we close to you? And I'm not talking to you guys alone. I'm talking to myself. It's so easy to become numb because, guys, we're constantly bombarded with wrong messages that affect our thinking. And we forget that God, God has called us to be separated, to be different, to be His. And in this area of moral purity, of sexual purity, He calls us to be set apart, to be His vessel for His use. But you know what? Paul also battled with this. It wasn't just modern day Americans who had to battle with, with this. In Paul's day, there was a rampant immorality that may have even been, well, that was greater than now. A matter of fact, uh, the first part of Rome's existence, there was such a foundation in the belief of marriage that there were no recorded divorces. But near the end, all that began to change. And I, I want to read to you a quote. This is from uh, Roman history. Uh, the historian Seneca said, Women were married to be divorced and divorced just to be married. Fashionable Roman women would number their years by the number of husbands they had. The Greek historian, a Greek historian wrote, We keep prostitutes for pleasure, we keep mistresses for day-to-day needs, and we keep wives for bearing children and for the faithful guardianship of our homes. As long as a man supported his wife and kids financially, everything was okay. There were no boundaries. But Paul was, was calling forth. He came to this church in Thessalonica, and it's amazing, because in this culture, there was the shrine to the uh, goddess Aphrodite, and there was all kinds of illicit sexual behavior that went on in, in that shrine and, and among that altar and among those people. And Paul came and he said, God said, guys, you are to offer your bodies to the living God. You're to control yourself and you're to be set apart. And with three weeks of teaching, God got a hold of these people and, and, and changed them, changed the course of their behavior and their lives and, and did a mighty work in them. And we're gonna, we're gonna look at that, uh, this morning, as, as uh, we look at this section of Scripture, I want to look at three areas that stand out in regard to being set apart from the Scripture here. Uh, the first is simply they had made a genuine commitment unto God. That God, I belong to you. That you bought me with a price. That my body's not my own, it's It's yours. And my heart's not my own. I belong to you. You're my master. Look at the first part here. Uh, verse 1, he says, uh, We were instructed, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. P.T. Forsyth, uh, Preacher of old wrote, Unless there's within us that which is above us, we shall soon yield to that which is around us. It begins by keeping our hearts and our eyes focused in the right place on the Lord. You know, as a carpenter, they said the key to hammering those nails day after day without having uh, 
unbearable pain in your thumbs is that when you look at where you're pounding, you're looking at the nail and not at your thumb because you're apt to hit what you look at. And so hundreds of nails being hit time after time by looking at that nail and striking the nail. And, and, and we need to be focused. Guys, we need, we need to be looking not at our own pleasures, not at how can I, I be fulfilled, but what does God want of me? I'm, I'm His. How can I be set apart for Him? God, um, give me Your strength. Lord, help, help me look honestly to You. Which is such a key. I mean, you know, you can be God's child and not have a heart that's focused on Him. I mean, look at Jonah. Jonah complained the whole time. He said, Lord, I don't want to go there. He got on a boat, there's a storm. Lord, I don't want to do this. He ended up thrown over the boat. He ended up in the belly of a whale, still grumbling. Finally, he decided, I don't want to be fish food. I do want to go on living. And so, whoom, against his will, he went and God used him. But he was miserable, even in the end, after God did this great work, he sat there going, God, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you saved those miserable people. They could have the joy of the Lord, just like me. Yeah, right, Jonah. God wants to set us free from ourselves. And when we look to Him as our Master, He frees us. He does that kind of work. Second, uh, keep your lusts prohibited. Uh, Look at verse 3 and 4. It's God's will that you should be sanctified. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. Guys, the bottom line is, uh, there's that old saying, it's easier to ask forgiveness than it is permission. But that's not the heart of a disciple. God, I want to I want to stay close to you. I want to I want to stay clean before you in your sight. I mean, that's that, that that's that's a God's heart, and he and you can say no. You just don't know me, preacher. I burn, man. You know, it's like I can't stand it. Oh yeah, give me. God's bigger. God can empower you to say no to those passions that are against His heart and His will. You don't give me that baloney. You can do it. You can live in Him. And, and Paul's saying that here. He, he said, you can say, no, it's God's will you should be holy. That you should avoid this. That you should learn. See, there's a teaching that goes on here. God, show me how. to give, Empower me, Lord. Show me how you can learn. You don't have to be a victim. You, you don't have to give in to that. Leonard Ravenhill uh, was right when he said, the greatest miracle God could do is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make that man holy, and put him back in that unholy world, and keep him holy in it. Ian Thomas uh, put it well when he said, To be in Christ, that is redemption. But for Christ to be in you, that is sanctification. To be in Christ, that makes you fit for heaven. But for Christ to be in you, that makes you fit for earth. To be in Christ, that changes your destination. But for Christ to be in you, that changes your destiny. The one makes heaven your home, the other makes this world his workshop. Now, it's interesting here, guys, as it talks about this term for sexual immorality, it's the Greek word porneia. Sound familiar? It's a word that we get our word pornography from. 
you know, I don't want to get, I mean, imaginations can run wild when you think of pornography. Anything that's outside of God's design, God's best. And, and, and you know what? You don't have to pray and say, God, is it your will for me to do this? You don't even have to answer that. I mean, you don't have to fight with that. God said, no, it's not. It's not my will for you to indulge in this sexual behavior that's outside of my design. It's God-given, but He says it's to be God-governed. That's His call to us, guys. You hear a lot about safe sex, but outside of His plan, it's never safe. It's never safe. I think of... Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, one of those is self-control. It wouldn't be there if it wasn't possible. I think of Joseph who, you know, I love Joseph. It said that Joseph was handsome. It said that Potiphar's wife had a plan to try to woo him. And I love his strategy. He didn't say it, sit around and say, man, I'm a holy guy. Man, I have the power of God in me. Man, I've got it together. You know what he said? I'm running! And he took off. Why? Because he wasn't stupid. Sometimes, and I'll tell you what, the way to handle this stuff, many times is just a run. Quit trying to act like you're holy. You're not. And run. That's what Joseph did. Flee! Get, get out of there! And that's what Joseph did. He, he said, I don't want to do this thing against God. You know, some, I think it was Martin Luther said there's a difference between a bird flying around your head and building a nest in your hair. And you know what? There's a difference between being tempted, being tempted in these areas, and by sitting around and writing a book, or making a movie out of it, or fantasizing about it so deeply that you can give me details, and please don't. <laughs> There's a difference between the temptation and dwelling upon the temptation. And God says, don't. It's a sure way to fall. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Now, I'm coming to the end of this thing here. And uh, thirdly, keep your love prominent. In verse 6 we read, and That in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. I really don't enjoy talking about judgment. Because I never like spankings. Sometimes our Father gives us spiritual spankings. Many times His judgment is simply letting us suffer the consequences of our choices outside of our Dad's plan. And we all have stories of broken lives who have chosen to make choices outside of God's plan and they were crushed as a result. There's regret. I want to close with a letter that was uh, written to a fellow pastor from a young lady in the congregation. And it just just reminds me, the reason I want to share it with you is uh, it's not just 
those evil, wild people outside of church that struggle. Because this comes from a person who loved the Lord. I've never asked anyone for this sort of help before. I guess I've never done anything so awful that I didn't feel like I could handle it on my own. But this is deep and I need your guidance. I never thought I would meet a man that I could share my life with and my love of God with. I prayed for him to come into my life. I dreamed of how wonderful it could be. Then one day I met him and it was mutual love at first sight. Ever since that day, I've considered Him to be the answer to my prayers. A genuine gift from God. We both agreed that what we had was special. A once in a lifetime deal. That God had a special plan for us. Together we communicate so well. In the beginning, we sat down and discussed our goals. We wanted to follow God's plan. We wanted the perfect relationship. We wanted to spend the rest of our lives together, not just a night. We went to church together, and we just discussed the issues and the impact it had on our lives. We would go home and discuss the the message at church. We prayed for God's direction. We wanted to be married. We wanted the union to be blessed. Unfortunately, we gave in to our desires in the heat of passion. We know it was wrong. We knew it then, but... We justified it by saying we were truly in love and would one day be married. After all, how could the Lord condemn true love? We were so wrong. By giving in to that, we damaged a beautiful thing, and that wasn't the only time. The feelings of guilt lessened each time. He and I talked about it today, but I don't know if it helped. I still feel so sad. Yeah, it matters. I'm not here to throw rocks at somebody maybe that has done things they regret. That's not the point. The point is it does matter to follow God. And when we don't, there's a price. You know, it's like, let's say that you see a room and it says, do not enter, danger. And you start thinking, what kind of danger's in there? Man, i got to go in there and see what it is. But then you find out before you go in there that it's full of explosives. If you open it up, it could go, Pow! and you know, that'd be it, man. You'd be pieces all over the place. This is a room that says danger. Explosive. The messages that bombard us say, it's, this is not explosive. Just jump in. It'll be a bang, but it's not the kind of bang you want. In the end. And so, it's, it, and so guys, if God is going to use us, I, I think that we have to be serious about this issue. All of us do. God, I, Lord, I, I, have to, I have to be serious about you getting a hold of, my, of me and, and who I am. Because without purity, you know, there's, the power's not there. And it damage happens. And God doesn't want that, guys. Um God help me. I don't want to feel like a hypocrite myself. God help me with my thoughts, help me with who I am. 
we're going to have a time to come forward to do business with God because it's very real struggle in this world we live in. To say otherwise would just not be honest. But God gives power. The altar's open to pray at the front to share with God's people if He's gotten a hold of your hearts. If you need to come before God's people to say, this is what Jesus has done in my life. He's opened my eyes that I can see I need a Savior. And I've said, Jesus, come live in me and forgive me. And He has. Or maybe you need to do that right now. You need to come forward. Or, or maybe He just needs to get a hold of you. And there's something eating away at you. And you say, I can't, I can't really serve God because of this in my past. Yes, you can. He gives you a new start. No matter what you've done, He forgives you. And, and that's what I love about the faith, about Jesus. Is he gives you a new start. Guys, that's, I'm going to have a word of prayer. Be at the front. We're going to sing. And, and let's just obey. Let's pray. God, uh, Lord, here we are. You know us. We don't want to play church, God. Uh, I pray this morning, uh, Father, that we would uh, respond to you, whatever that may be, that we would come to pray, we would come to say yes to the movement of your Spirit, that we would obey, that we would uh, let you have your longing within us, God. Uh, Lord, you know us. Father, may you just work. We, we need you, Lord. God, just, just show yourself, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.